All right. Well, uh, evidently, I'm not too bad a man. Um, Dante Culpepper's son um, was really planning on doing a number to me, on me. Uh, you know, Code, he's a real blessing. Uh, I actually, I, I, you know, Code wasn't here yesterday, and then I found out, I thought he was going to be here this morning, I was really going to wait to kind of unleash everything until uh, he was going to be here, and then I found out he wasn't going to be here this morning either, so it's a whole lot more fun when you get to talk about people that are here, you know? <laughs> I know the church member kind of thing to do is talk about people that ain't there, but I enjoy doing it while they're there, amen? And uh, so... Uh, you know, Code, he, he's, he's a real blessing. Um, he, talking about this, this whole thing with, with me and uh, Dante Culpepper, his son, um, it, it is true. Um, I did get locked out of my room in my underwear. Um, and uh, it, was, uh, it was a very humbling moment. Uh, because I figured out in that moment that, that, uh, that the Lord had spared me uh, from, uh, from some really, like I, I seen the dude the next day, and he's, he's like 6'7", uh, like 380, and I'm, I was like, Lord, man, all, all of that running around naked in the hallway was worth it. Like, <laughs> like I'm really glad I didn't get beat up by Dante Culpepper, uh, the, by his son, and uh, so... Um, code, the next time though I went to preach for Code, it was, it's weird, there was a next time, uh, after all that, but the next time I went to preach for Code, uh, he, he did a number on me, um, Code lives, for real, he, he lives the little house on the prairie life. He's got chickens and goats and all this stuff, and they live outside, I don't think they wear shoes, uh, their kids have like, you know, they're the minimalist kind of group. They got, they don't have many clothes. What they have, they carry around in a garbage bag and, you know. <laughs> well, Code thought I lived the same way, evidently. And I'm, I'm like 240. And uh, Code puts me and, and my wife and five kids in a bedroom with two queen beds in it. In, in a room, in the same hotel with two queen, room, uh, two queen beds in it. We check in late one night, and everybody codes asleep. He goes to sleep when the sun is setting code, his, his eyes are becoming dim. You don't text code at 8.30 because he don't answer. Now, 4 o'clock the next morning, when the psychopaths wake up, that's when code answers the phone. So he's texting back, hey, bro, you up? No, no, nobody's up. Leave us alone. <laughs> We're actually enjoying uh, what little bit of sleep we get. And uh, he puts me in this room, and, and for real, can, I don't know if you can picture this. It's not really a, a, a picture worthy to have in your mind, but uh, I am, I'm on a cot. I'm on a, co- a roll-out cot. Like he, like I'm, I'm on vacation in Panama City again. I love Panama City, by the way. I'm in Panama City on vacation, and Code is like, hey, man, we want you to come preach at, at uh, he's got a conference. He does Legacy Conference. Great, great conference. He's like, why don't you come down and preach? I'm like, okay. So I leave from Panama City midways of my vacation. I drive over there one night. 
I preach. And, and you know, I mean, it's not the coolest thing for your kids to be like, hey, we're going to load up midstream vacation and we're going to go to a church, to a conference. Yay! Well, it really ain't cool when you roll up and there's one bedroom with two queen, two queen beds and seven people. And so we, we get in there and I'm stretched out. My feet's hanging off one end of the cot. My elbows are hanging off both sides of the cot. My head, I have no pillow because the pillow won't stay on the cot. I've got a sheet because it's like a million degrees in this room for some reason. There's seven people in this little room. There's no way to cool it off. And so Code figured out how to get me back. And, um, and his minimalist idea was we don't need two rooms. This is how Little House on the Prairie Mines work. <laughs> oh, we don't need another bedroom. Let's just stack them in on top of each other. It's going to look like a good stack of cordwood. Everything will be fine. We'll just stack them in on top of each other. This is the kind of person that you're dealing with. I think you need, I think you need to know that. When you come up here, when he comes up here in a few minutes, he's not here. And uh, he'll be back, though. Um, but he never does any wrong. Uh, he's the dude that, you know, he's, he's uh, I, I have all kinds of good ideas. And Code shoots every one of them down. He's like, no, man, the Lord wouldn't be pleased with that. And I'm like, oh, you, you really had to bring the Lord into this? <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. The goody, the, you know, the goody. The, last night, he gave the illustration about holding, you know, you remember last night when he gave the illustration about holding this Bible? You know, that was so true, it's just disgusting. You know what else is really true? He was 13 when he did that. You're not talking about a 20-something-year-old man. You're talking about a 13-year-old man stealing books out of his dad's library. So I call him the apostle, the apostle code all the time. And uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved, I, I rail him pretty hard with that. And obviously he takes the other side of the equation with me. And uh, he shoots everywhere he can. You know, if you want a bad idea, go to Lee. That, you, you want a bad idea on how to do things, go to Lee. He's got all the bad ideas. Uh, but, but if you want to know how the Lord's going to do it, ask Code. He'll tell you. <laughs> so I love him uh, for real. God, God has done a great work in, in, uh, in hooking me and Code up over the years. And, uh, and I love Code Blaze and his family and all that God's doing in his life is, is just tremendous. Um, I want to pray, and then we'll jump in to, uh, if we hadn't quenched the Spirit of God too bad, uh, we'll, we'll, ju we'll jump back in to Luke chapter 15. You want to do that? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the singing. Uh, thank you for the worship, God. Uh, Lord, pure worship in this place. Thank you for giving us what we got last night. Thank you for Troy. And, and Lord, him, him just preaching the Word of God. Lord, ever since I walked into a church and heard the Word of God preached with power for the first time, Lord, there is nothing that does to my soul what, what preaching does to it. Lord, somebody opening the Bible that has studied it with an anointing and preaching it. And Lord, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for letting him be the man. God, I pray that you use this morning. I pray, God, as, as we work through the 
Uh, some more in, in Luke 15, God, that you open our hearts and God, you let the Holy Ghost apply what needs to be applied for every person in the room. Let everybody uh, that has ears, let, let them hear what the Spirit of God wants to say to them in their own place, in their own, own environment. God, use it for your glory and use it for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, yesterday we, we dealt with, uh, with the younger son. And, um, and I think for the most part, uh, we looked at Luke chapter number 14, and, and I think, I, I don't know how much time I got to go back and set that whole deal up again. Uh, but, but for the most part, Luke chapter number 14 sets the scene uh, for Luke chapter number 15. And, 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 and what we've really got to understand is that Luke chapter number 14 is, is a whole lot going on in the direction of Pharisees and sinners. Now, what, what's really important is we've got to make sure that we understand the audience to which all of this is being preached. All of this is being given to a certain audience, to a certain group, and there's two groups of people. There's Pharisees uh, and there's scribes, and then there's publicans and there's sinners, and why that is such a big deal is how Jesus gives these parables in terms of who he's giving the parables to, who he's giving these illustrations to, who he's making these invitations to. And so it's a really big deal. We, we, we dealt with a lot of stuff uh, yesterday from Luke chapter number 14, and, and, and we dealt with, with this idea of pride versus humility. And, and then we, we, we dealt with the idea that, that Jesus Christ uh, wants us to go and get those that can do nothing for us. Now, I don't, I don't know, maybe, uh, may, maybe you're from the South like me, or maybe here in this part of the world, there's, uh, there's places in churches and pockets and little, little places here and there that, that, will only, that will only want people that are going to be valuable for them in that moment. Uh, there are people that, that actually base their entire churches around having a family church, a family-run church. You say, how do you know that? That's kind of like church I got saved in. It's a little more family-run. All the deacons were, were kin to one another. And, all, all. And, and look, there ain't nothing wrong with going to church with your family, but you got to be careful that we don't miss that God has called us to the world. Amen? That God has called us to the world. And so he wants us to go and get those that can do nothing for us. And, and then we look and there's this group that's just making all these excuses. And, uh, and, and then, uh, you, you know, Jesus lays out uh, what it's going to cost on the heels of making all of the excuses. He lays out what it's going to cost to follow Jesus Christ. And I said this yesterday and I think it bears repeating again. Uh, we we got to be careful that we don't misrepresent the buy-in. That we don't misrepresent the buy-in. We're really good at wanting to dumb down the standard. We're really good at wanting to dumb down the expectation. Why? Well, because society is not rising to an expectation. It's actually lowering itself every day. Like, like, like the, standard of, of, the standard of men and women are being lowered. Amen. Uh, the standard of what we describe men and women to be has been bottomed out. And so we've got to make sure that we don't let the world's mindset infiltrate the church and for us to keep the standard where God has set it. 
And then he just out of nowhere, he uh, says salt. Salt that, that doesn't do its job. He, he actually says salt's good, but, but salt that's lost its savor. Uh, it, it, it's neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. And so salt that doesn't do its job is cast out. And, and then he goes, he goes off into Luke chapter number 15. And, and I, I love how Luke 15 and verse 1, uh, it, it starts out. And he says, then, then. Then drew near unto him all of the publicans and sinners for to hear him. The hardness of the the message took the publicans and the sinners and it drew them to Jesus Christ. Now the Pharisees and the scribes, they, they, they were there too. They were there in the crowd. They were there being a part of the crowd. But but what did they come to do? Verse 2 says they murmured, that they came to murmur. And and, and they murmured over the fact that this man receiveth sinners. That this man, he is involved with sinners. He is receiving sinners. And how many of you are grateful that he does receive sinners? And so he goes out now now that their murmuring is taking place. Because of their murmuring, and I want you to picture this with me, we've got a group of of publicans and sinners, a a rather large group of publicans and sinners, and they're all gathered around for to hear Jesus. And then on the outskirts of that of that group of people stood the scribes and the Pharisees. And on the outside, while he's preaching to publicans and sinners, and as they are drawing near to hear him, these Pharisees and these scribes are on the outside and they're murmuring. And they're complaining about his reception of sinners. And so what does Jesus do? Well, uh, you ever heard the old old phrase, uh, stick that in your pipe and smoke it? Jesus sticks it in their pot and says, here, boys, light it up. (laughs) And he says, what man of you? Now, who's he preaching to right here? Well, he's preaching to the murmurers at the time. Why? Because the sinners are, in fact, there to hear what's being said. So, 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 scribes and Pharisees... What man of you having a hundred, uh, ha- having a hundred sheep? If you lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost and we find it. And, and we know how it goes. Verse number seven, the, the, the context of the entire thing lays within, uh, lies within verse number seven. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Man, can you imagine being cut to the bone that day? He, 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 uh, he, he says either. Verse 8. All right, all right, so, so here's another one for you. Either what woman, ha- what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. Verse number 10. Again, he re-ups on this thing with, with the Pharisees. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. 
And then verse 11, he gives, he gives the third one. And he said, a certain man. A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, he rose, uh, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swines did eat, and no man gave unto him. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto the father what he had rehearsed in the hog lot, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servant, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and bring forth his ring, uh, bring, uh, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For, my, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. It was elder brother was in the field. And he came and drew nigh to the house and he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. And, and look at verse 28. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and entreated him. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress I at any time thy commandment, yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as thy son was come, he had, which hath devoured his, uh, thy living with harlots, and, hast killed, and thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad for this Thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Can you imagine that day as Jesus Christ lays this parable out to a bunch of Pharisees? He deals with these sheep and, and he deals... I, I, I love how Jesus deals with the numbers. The numbers in the sheep, he says, man, uh, what, what, the, one out of, uh, the one out of the hundred. And then he deals with the coin and the one out of the ten. And, and, and the emphasis is most definitely on the son that left. Why? Well, because the primary, object, uh, the primary objective was for the people in the crowd that day, Pharisees and sinners, to understand that souls matter to Jesus Christ, that repentance matters to Jesus Christ. The primary emphasis was most definitely on the son that left, and the direction of the parable is to present to that audience at that time that there is rejoicing when sinners repent. I said this yesterday, and I, I think it would bear repeating again. I, I, I think we need to make sure that, that there is these two audiences, and I believe that one brother 
represents one. One brother represents the other. One brother represents the sinner. One brother represents the Pharisee. And last time, last, yesterday morning, we dealt with the brother that left home. We looked at the brother that left home. But I want to look this morning at the brother that stayed. The brother that stayed. I seen something interesting in this, in this whole parable that, that while one left and the other stayed, there's not a whole lot of difference in the heart of either of these boys. Like they're actually almost the same people. The first boy, he was, he was blind to the goodness of the father. And I, I hope that I hope that you took some time yesterday at some point in time to ask yourself if you have become blind to the goodness of the Father. He was sure that his way was a better way. His, his pride told him that if he kept plugging along, that things were going to get better. Now, the, the, uh, the, the elder brother, he's kind of similar to that in the fact that he too was blind to the goodness of the Father. I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to understand something. You ain't got to leave this place to leave this place. You, you ain't got to actually check out in person to check out. You ain't got to miss the goodness of the Father you, you ain't got to get out in the hog lot to, not, uh, to miss the goodness of the Father. You, got, you don't have to do that. You know what I found that, that, that me, that this elder brother and me, I'm on down the road a little bit in, in, since I got saved. And you know what? I see more of this elder brother in me than I do this younger brother. I see, I see more struggles with me and this elder brother than I, than I do the, the younger brother. You see, the elder brother stayed home. But he was wrong. The younger brother, yeah, yeah, he was blind to the goodness of the father when the request was made. Sure he was. When he made the request, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. Man, that was dirty. Man, that was dirty when he looked in his dad's eyes and said, you're dead to me. Ain't it crazy how we live like the younger brother, and we don't even realize it. But the elder brother, I found out there's a lot of similarities between me and the elder, and, uh, between the elder brother and me that scare me. They scare me. They make me, they make me tremble, just to be honest with you. You know who else they make me tremble for? They make they make me tremble for my children. Because you know the worst thing that could happen is for, for our children to be the elder brother. The elder son, 
The Bible says in verse 25 that the elder son was, was in the field working. The elder son is, is in the field working. Now, I, I want to say a couple of things about the elder son. The elder son evidently was a hard worker. The elder son had, had, had actually been doing the work that his father had taught him to do. He'd been taking care of the farm. He'd been, he'd, been, he'd been doing the job that his father had given him to do. He'd been doing the job that his father had taught him to work with his hands. Evidently, he was a faithful man. Evidently, he was faithful to do the job because he comes in that day and he has to ask, man, what is going on around here? Like, 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 like what, is, what is actually happening right now? I got, a, I got a younger brother and I could see my family doing that to my younger brother. I, I, and and I, it's, it's funny and it ain't at the same time. I always thought that monk could do no wrong. Even now, he, he acts like a fool sometimes. And I'm like, man, they, like, like everybody just loves this dude. You know, the, you know the guy that everybody loves that you just can't stand? You wonder why everybody loves him all the time? He's like, he can't do no wrong. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You just ain't going to say yeah right there. <laughs> I, can, I can see, I can kind of understand where the younger brother's coming from. Why didn't somebody come get me? Like, like did my invitation get lost in the mail, Daddy? Like I'm out here in the field doing the work and y'all are throwing a party and I, I, I'm over here and, and trying to work and trying to do what's right. I've been faithful. I'm doing what my dad taught me to do. I stayed at home. I did this. I did that. But I want you to, I want you to make sure you get this. He could not see his father's goodness to himself or those around him. This young man was in the house and he was doing the work. But get this, he did not have the heart of the father. The easiest way for me and you to get sideways with God is to forget the goodness of God in our own lives. How about, how about this? This young man couldn't see you ready? He couldn't see the goodness of the father because the sin of his brother. Now I know, I know some of us has been there. I know that there's some of us like the elder brother that miss out on the love of the father because the sin of a brother or a sister. I watch some people in life that become so bitter for no other reason than somebody else's sin. You know what bitterness is? Old, old preacher man said bitterness is, is drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. This young man couldn't see the love that his father had for the son. And remember, the primary objective is the love that the Father has for sinners. And he couldn't see that. 
He couldn't see because the sin of the brother, he couldn't see the love of his father. He did not have the father's heart while he had been taught to do the father's work. You got to be careful. That while you're going through, while you're going through these discipleship, uh, while you're going through discipleship lessons, while you're going through this, while you're while you're trying to do this, while you're trying to, you got to be careful that you don't miss the Father's heart in the middle of the Father's work. We ought to be careful in the room this morning that we ourselves aren't quick to wrath with our brothers and sisters. Why? Well, you, you, Paul, Paul said all this, Wherefore let him that thinketh he, that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he what? Lest he fall. You see, the, the younger brother couldn't see the love that the father had and the goodness of the father. He couldn't see that. Because he had been faithful. He had done this. He had done that. He and he. Do you see where we're going right here? We're, we're back to the same spot we was in yesterday in missing the goodness of the Father. Ephesians 4 and verse 31 says that all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from among you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another. You ready? Even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Sometimes pastors can get accused of letting things go and letting things this and letting things that because there is an overwhelming burden within inside of some of us that we must be long-suffering because we know that, that God has indeed been long-suffering with us. I'm not talking about lowering the standard. I'm not talking about bringing the standard down. I'm talking about what God said, long-suffering. I mean that we're just going to suffer along with people. That we're just going to suffer along with people. We got to be careful that, that, that we, like the older brother, we don't roll up in, in, in church. We don't roll up in life and, and, and with the attitude of bless me if you can, not really understanding how good our Father has been to us. The elder brother couldn't see the goodness of the Father in the forgiveness of the younger. Man, it ought to do something to our hearts when God forgives sinners. When God forgives those that have, that have essentially run off and, and done what the younger brother done and goes into the far country, when they come back, he couldn't see the goodness of the Father. And number two, number two, he was sure that his way, you ready, was the best way. 
Now, now, I want you to make sure you understand that the first brother was sure that his way was a better way, but the, bro, the elder brother that stayed home, he was sure that his way was the best way. Now, now, notice what he says in verse 28. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out to entreat him. Now, now this younger brother, is, is, he's got his own way of thinking about things now, and it's not his father's way. Why? Well, because he's angry. And remember, verse 7 and verse 10 let us know that there is, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels when sinners repent. And somebody said amen. It is the opposite of what this boy was. This boy was angry. Not only was he angry, but he protested the forgiveness of the father based on the brother's sin. He literally puts his foot down and he says, I'm not going in there. I'm not going in there and celebrating anything. I'm not going in there and celebrating my brother acting like a fool. I'm not going back in there. I'm not doing that. I, I'm not going to do it. I'm protesting. I'm going I'm to sit out here sold up mad on the, on the doorstep of my father's house. I'm going to sit out here sold up mad, and I'm, I'm going to be mad, and everything's going to be fine. You ever, you ever been there before? I'm, I mean, you, you just came to the place where you said, I, I'm not doing this no more. These jack legs. Everybody's always trying to forgive them. Everybody's always trying to give them grace. Everybody's always being long-suffering over here. Where, where's the judgment at? Where's the judgment at? Somebody tell me where the judgment is. Well, I, I don't know if you, if you figured this out yet or not. But whatsoever man soweth, that shall he, that shall he, that shall he also reap. Bible says that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It ain't your job to judge your brothers and sisters. At the end of the day, they're going to reap in their season what they sown in that time. You know what it is? We get mad because we feel like the season of reaping don't come fast enough. We mad because, well, we feel like God should put a little hammer down a little faster on them because they acted like a fool. Well, I got news for you. That's the opposite of faith in the Word of God. If you really trust God, you're going to have to trust Him that He's going to do to our brothers and sisters what He said He would do in due time. And unfortunately, guess what that may not come till? It may not come to the judgment seat of Christ. But I'll tell you this, your judgment seat will be hindered by being angry about it and protesting your brothers and your sisters' forgiveness based on their sin. How about this one? He protested his forgiveness based on his own goodness to have never transgressed his father. Now I'm going to go on record and say that's probably a lie. He sounded like that boy that I never broke none of the commandments, Jesus. I've kept all of them from my youth. You a lie. You just don't know you a lie. You, 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 you breaking one right now, boy. You lying. And he says, all these years have I, and I, all these years I, I've been with you, and I've never transgressed your commandment. Come on. You crippled too high for crutches if you think we're going to believe that, son. You've acted like a fool. You've been, you've been, you've been a goon too. 
But he, 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 he says, no, no, no. I, 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 he sounds like this great son because he's a hard worker. He's learned a lot about the field he's working in. He probably knows the Bible a little bit because he's over here talking about him never transgressing his father. He's carried the family name well. And get this, he's bothered by sin. Well, it sounds like a good church member, don't it? Sounds like a really good Christian, don't it? Sounds like, sounds like an independent, fundamental, premillennial, hate everybody, King James only Baptist, what it sounds like. And, I, and, I, and I are all them things, except I, I, don't have no, I don't have no time to hate nobody. He sounds like a really good church member. He sounds like a really good son. But you know what he missed? He missed the heart of the Father. He didn't have, he had all the makings of being a good son, but he did not have the burden of the Father. He did not have the heart of the Father. If all I do is is teach my kids how to be hard workers and, 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 learn, and, and learn a lot about the field they're working in and know the Bible and carry my name well and, and to be bothered by sin. If I do all of that and they miss the heart of the Father, then they've missed the whole thing. What is the heart of the Father? 2 Corinthians 5 says it like this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are uh, become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by, Christ, uh, by Jesus Christ, who hath given us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, but hath committed unto us, unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are the ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, when we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be no sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. But the younger, the older brother couldn't see that because he didn't have the heart of the father. Go back to the garden with me for just a minute. Romans 5 and verse 12 gives us a, a look into what happened in, in Genesis chapter number 3. Wherefore, as by, uh, by one man sin entered into the world, and, and we, know, we know this is Adam, and, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So we're all sinners because of what happened in Genesis chapter number 3. And there in the garden, the awful shame of sin had taken place and, 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 and judgment must come. Judgment must come. Judgment must come because sin is present. Nobody's trying to get around that. And, and, and you know what happens in verse 16 through in verse 19? God pronounces judgment on Adam and Eve. But you see the heart of the Father in verse 21. And unto Adam 
also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. God's in that garden and he's pronouncing judgment. Eve, this is your, this is your judgment. Eve, this is, this is the consequences for your action. This, Adam, this is the consequence for your action. And, and here's what's going to happen. You, you, you're going to work the rest of your days by the sweat of your brow and thorns and thistles. And, and, and you, it's going to be rough and it's going to be tough. But it, hang on a minute. Hang on just a minute. I want you to make sure that you see the heart of the Father when, when God Himself goes and makes coats of skin and covers up the nakedness of Adam and Eve. We've got to be careful that we don't walk in here with a, the fist of judgment without the heart of the Father. Number three, his pride told him that he deserved better. His pride told him that he deserved better. Now look in verse 29. He answered to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. Now, now, now the younger brother is, is slapping the father in the face with the fact that you killed the fatted calf for the brother, the, the, the son who left home, the brother who went and devoured thy living with harlots. All that you worked for, daddy, he went and devoured it with a bunch of harlots. And now you're giving him the fatted calf and, and you've never even gave me a kid goat. Like you've never celebrated me being faithful. Daddy, you never celebrated me being responsible. Daddy, Daddy, you've never celebrated all of my hard work here on the farm. Daddy, you never celebrated me doing, you ready? You ready for this? You never celebrated me doing what I should have been doing. But you did, your son. You did, your son, when, when your son came back home. But remember, the heart of the father is in sinners repenting. Now I want you to look, 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 look in, in verse 31, the latter part of verse 31. He says, in all that I have is thine. Oh, wait a minute, boy. But, Hold the phone just a second, son. What are, you, what are you complaining about? What are you griping about? Why are you so upset? Everything else that you see is yours. Like it is true he has devoured all of his living, but everything that you see. Look, look out, son. Look at the fields. Look at all the hard work. Look, this is all yours. It, it's, it's almost like the father saying, what else? What else do you want? You know what? I wonder if the brother, the elder brother would have been satisfied if the, if the, if the younger brother would have indeed become a servant of the father. 
And one day the elder brother would have gotten to inherit his own brother in the servants. Man, I, I, I wonder if, if the elder brother just wanted to have the younger brother under his thumb just for a little bit. Just long enough to make sure that he felt the shame. You, you ever been there before? You ever dealt with people like that before? Wanted to make sure that you knew that you felt the shame you were supposed to feel over your sin. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you wanted to make sure somebody felt the shame that they needed to feel over their sin. This is what the elder brother is, where the elder brother is. Make sure, make, I, 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 like, like, come on, Dad, why, why are we doing all Son, all this is thine. Look what he does he, in verse 30. He devalues his brother. Uh, which devoured thy living with harlots. What the brother don't know is that the son, you ready for this? What the brother don't know is that the son already devalued himself. The brother don't know that the son already come up and said, Father, I'm, 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 listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thine hired servants. He don't know that the son has already told it all. The son, the elder son didn't need to devalue the brother because true repentance comes at the expense, you ready, of telling it all. Being okay with telling it all. Next, in, in, in his pride, in his pride, he pumps his own self up. Lo, these many years do I serve thee, and neither transgress thou at any time, thy commandment. He's following all the rules. And so he wants to look good to the Father. And so he pumps himself up. He, he devours his brother. He pumps himself up. And, and you, know how, you know how this goes. This is the kind of conversations that you have uh, when, when, when you're having uh, prayer meetings. When you're when you're having when you're having uh, when you're having the prayer meetings and 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 you're uh, that, that's that's Baptist for gossip in the South it is anyway. We're gonna pray for so and so, but we're gonna make sure we devalue everything we can in his life, and we're gonna make sure that we look good in the process. We're going to make sure that everybody knows I don't have the same problems that he does. And how many of you know you don't have to have the same problems on the outside to have the same problems on the inside? And how many of you know this? God don't give a rip what your outside looks like if it looks like that on the inside. I know plenty of people that wear suits and ties and dresses that drag the ground that their heart is as wicked as it can be. That their kids hate them. That their kids hate the church. That their kids hate everything that is tied to the name of God. I, I was talking to somebody yesterday. You know the funny thing about us? 
is our kids are going to grow up and figure out one day. Now, now here's, here's, we so crazy, we think that they, they ain't going to figure this out one day. They're going to grow up and they're going to figure out just what level of crazy you really are. <laughs> now, it'd be a good thing. It'd be a good thing if your kids didn't get to a certain age and think, man... They, they wasn't as real as I thought they was. They, they, wasn't as, they wasn't as perfect as I thought they was. I'm going to close with this little phrase right here. The father does the same thing to the elder that he does to the younger. The father, when he hears that the elder won't come in, he goes out. But you know what ends up happening? There's only one son that I believe has the heart of the Father from here on out. And it's the one that looks the worst in the story. The moral construct would say, that the, that the heart should be, the heart of the father should be in the elder brother because he stayed home, uh, because that's the way we operate. But the son that stayed home, the self righteous son, the pharisaical son, He didn't have the heart of the Father. I imagine that, that the elder son and the father spent and the older and the father spent a lot of time together, wouldn't you think so? Spent a lot of time together on the farm. Spent a lot of time together doing things on the farm. Spent a lot of time teaching him. Spent a lot of time doing this and that. But now all that changes. Why does all that change? Because the elder son can't see what the younger son can see. And it's what verse 7 and verse 10 lets us in on, that repentance is the key to making the relationship right. Now, now, now from here on out, there's, there's a quarrel between, maybe there's a quarrel between the elder and the, and the father because the elder can't get over and can't 
can't, can't kneel and, 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 and bow himself to the mercy and the grace that the father gave to the younger. And now, now the younger son, he has so much love for his father. He has so much adoration for his father. His father could have put him in the servant's house, but he brought him back to his house. You better be careful. I know a lot of, I know a lot of people that, that go to church and they're actually mad about it. They're just doing it because it's what their mama taught them to do. It's what your papa did, their so-and-so did, and that's what I'm supposed to do. But they, they have a heart that still it, is so bitter. It's so wrong. It's so messed up. They can't see how God could be so loving to people that didn't deserve it. But they can't look at themselves in the mirror and see that they don't deserve what the Father has given them. Some of us in here, we're a lot like that older brother. And if you ain't careful, if you ain't careful, you'll destroy every ministry you're a part of because you can't get over being bitter about what God has forgiven and done in other people's lives. You say, well, that ain't me. That ain't me. I dare say there's people in this room that look at other people and think, man, why? It's God doing that with them, and God won't do that with me. Why is God using that person in this ministry, but God won't use me the same way? I'm sure there's people that looked at, at, at Dan and Brandon coming up and thought, man, why? Man, they must be the favorites. Now, could it just be that they knew who they were? Man, God's got some good men in this church, in this, in this fellowship. And you know what I found out? Every single one of them know. They know who they are. They know what they don't deserve. Could we repent from all of our pharisaical ideas of what we deserve? God wants to change our hearts. If you'll let him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for letting us see, God, that there's a better way. God, thank you for letting us see that there's a better way to live. Lord, that I don't have to live in the economy of constantly devaluing my brothers and sisters and, and pumping myself up. That I don't have to live within the pride of my own life and, 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 and the pride of my own self-righteousness. That I've done this and I've done that. And, and God, without seeing the goodness of the Father to, to those that have repented. God, you're way too good to us anyway. Thank you for being kind. Thank you for showing mercy to us, Lord when we didn't deserve it. 
Lord, thank you for doing what you've done in my family. Thank you for, thank you for what you're doing in my girls. Lord, thank you for using this camp the way you're using it in my kids' lives. Lord, thank you for giving my boys people in this place that love them, that they can go to and, and Lord, they can be real with. God, this is a good place. But I'd hate for us to slip off. I'd hate for us to to slip off into the haughtiness of our own self-righteousness and stay in home. God bless what was said. In Jesus' name, amen.